As you guys know, we've been dealing with the promises of God and we've been working in the book of Ephesians. What are God's promises really in today's, in today's era of, of an unstable economy, of unstable fuel costs and, and everything else? What, what are we dealing with when it comes to promises? And we've touched on that. But I was, I was telling uh, Sean on the way over here tonight, it's important for us to know, and I know I've said it in the other teachings, that, that we need to know what God's promises are, for sure. But then again, you can also walk into any Christian bookstore and find the 5,000 promises of God, the 2,000 promises of God, the 550 promises of God. I think even at the beginning, at one point, I handed out to you guys um, a couple of little books that, uh, that, that I got for the Bible study members that had, I don't know how many promises of God. And, and, and this is important. But the revelation that the Lord has been giving me throughout the last couple of weeks about promises are, I made my promises, but people don't know how to appropriate them. You see, the, the analogy that, that, that the Lord gave me was, well, there, there's a bunch of fish in the sea, right? But can you just reach out with your hand and grab one into the ocean? No, you can't. You've got to go to somebody who knows that there's fish out there and can teach you how to attract those fish to yourself. You know, what tools you're going to need, if any, to catch them. And in this case, of course, we know that it's a net or, you know, a, a rod and a reel or a rod or a reel, you know, and you need string, you need a hook and you need some bait. So these are the tools to catch fish. Well, what are the tools that we need as Christians to... Uh, to catch God's promises. Because God's promises are there. When Jesus was on the cross, he said, it's finished. Right? So that means that anything that God was going to do, anything that, with the exception of the return of Christ, but anything that God was going to do for this age has been done. Okay, so now it's up to you and I as Christians to go through God's word and to learn what God has for us as Christians and how he wants us to appropriate it. And, and as you guys know, I've said before, that things in the kingdom are appropriated by faith and they're demonstrated in action. Okay, you can't just believe that something is yours if you don't walk in it. I mean, if you, if, you know, you, you can't be, you're never going to be an artist unless you start painting and you start developing your artistic ability and, and honing your skills. You're never going to be a singer unless you start opening up your mouth and do re mi. You know, I, I can't sing, so you don't want me to get started. You've got to appropriate God's promises as yours. They're mine. They're mine. They're for me. Okay, And God is not a respecter of persons, so the promises that are for me are for you as a Christian as well. Okay, But at the same time, we as Christians need to know how to bring these things on. And also, going back to our fishing analogy, the guys here that go fishing and gals that, that don't go fishing, I'm sorry if, if you do. If I've, said, if I've just proposed that you don't or assumed that you don't, I apologize. But the guys that, that go fishing for a minute, I mean, how many fish are you going to catch if you're out there with your buddies playing loud rock and roll music and, you know, screaming and yelling and whooping and hollering? and uh, You're not going to catch many fish, are you? So there's a, a certain atmosphere that you need to create around yourself to be able to appropriate those fish and be able to eat. It's important, and the reason I wanted to do this tonight is because in our series on, on promises, I think that one of the biggest things that stops us as believers from appropriating God's promises is fear, anxiety, and doubt. Okay, and we're going to talk at great length tonight. And we're going to look at the scripture. And some of the things, I'm going, to, I'm going to be very candid and just open it up right now and say some of the things you're going to hear tonight are going to crash quite badly with your flesh. You are not going to like some of the things we have to talk about tonight. But you know what the word of God says? It insults the mind to expose the heart. 
So I ask you that before, before you make any prejudgments and turn off the MP3 or decide to get up and walk out of the Bible study or any of that kind of stuff, which thank God nobody has ever done that in our Bible study, and, and we've touched on some pretty rad subjects here, I want you to, to hear, hear what the Spirit is saying tonight. Because I, just, I, did a, I did a, just for laughs and giggles, before I, I got here, I did a Google search on, uh, do you know that Google was just added to the Webster's Dictionary as a word? It's a, it's a verb. I'm going to Google that. Funny, huh? Yeah. So I Googled anxiety and fear. Do you know I found web pages that show you 285 different types of fear and 384 different types of anxiety and all their symptoms? Okay? And I've even read that there are hundreds, if not thousands, of different types of fear and anxiety. Now, if God is the author of our faith, right? Mm-hmm. then who would be the author of our fears? Satan. You understand? And we're going to talk tonight, and we're going to show how, first of all, the voice of the Holy Spirit is a still, small voice. God doesn't come on the scene screaming. Okay, so you need to incline your spiritual ear to hear the voice of the Lord. However, the enemy, on the other hand, he wants to take away any possibility that you that you have of hearing that still small voice including using that fishing analogy again leading you to the dead pond that looks like it may have some fish in it but it really doesn't it's a fictitious representation of what god's promises and what god's true blessings are do you know do you know what you got to do to go to hell? Do you know what you got to do to avoid God's blessings? Do you know what you got to do to never receive God's promises? Absolutely nothing. And that's what the enemy wants you to do. He wants you to spin your wheels. I'm excited about promises. I think that promises are great. And, and, and this is a, a, a blessing in this message. This is going to open some eyes and some ears. And we're going to break down some strongholds tonight. Okay, and we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna show the devil out, and we're gonna show him to be the liar that he really is. Amen. Okay, and by doing that, your faith walk is going to change. No one in this room, and no one hearing this this uh, this this uh, MP3 or this CD is going to return back to the way they used to be. I declare it in the name of Jesus, and I really feel that this message tonight is going to transform your life. It's going to transform your faith walk because the Lord has given us some revelations that we must jump into tonight. Amen. Amen. So let's pray. Father, we give you thanks and praise for bringing us together tonight in this special forum. Lord, to unmask the enemy. Lord, uh, it's said in the world that, uh, that uh, to defeat your enemy, you've got to know him. And Lord, we thank you for your revelation about the enemy and what your word says and what your Holy Spirit continues to minister to us about. Lord, we invite your Holy Spirit into this place. And we ask for your anointing on your people and on your servant tonight as I teach. Lord, prompt us, quicken us to ask the questions that will provoke stimulating conversation that those that that hear this teaching in future will be blessed. And Lord, that they they will just arrive at a revelation of you, Lord, that perhaps they've never had. And if they have had that revolution, that revelation, Lord, let this be a confirmation to them, Lord, that you are speaking to their hearts and that you, they are hearing from your Holy Spirit. And Satan, we put you on notice as well. We bind all spirits of confusion and all spirits not of the Holy Spirit, binding all strong men first and all ruler spirits and all wicked spirits in high places. We bind all of you and we break all your lines of communication and we decree all your plans against this study and any kind of darts and negative thoughts and, and, uh, and any plans that you may have null and void. Any, uh, any spirits that have come to disrupt and, dis- and destroy what we're here to talk about tonight, you're bound, you're cast out. 
And Father, we just invite a spirit of praise and worship and a revelation into this place. We ask for angels to come and stand around us, Lord, to uh, stand guard. And we put a hedge of protection around ourselves in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So let's start, if you will, in your Bibles in Ephesians. Let's turn to chapter 4. And we're going to look at verses 14 and 15 first. And and this is Paul talking here. He says, as a result, and what he's talking about, of course, is what? Our salvation, Mm -hmm. right? We, talking about believers, okay, are no longer to be children. Do you know that your faith walk, you're, you're not the same Christian that you were last week? And you're not the same Christian that you were last year? At least if you're walking a faith walk, you're, you're, you're not supposed to be. You're supposed to be going from glory to glory. You're supposed to be growing in your faith walk. And a relationship, anytime you have a relationship with somebody, the longer you know them, the more you know about them, right? Mm-hmm. So we are not to be as children tossed about here and there by waves and carried about by every wind and doctrine. Okay, do you know the doctrine is like wind? It's full of hot air. <laughs> you, ever, you ever seen those folks that are up there and they're trying to push their doctrine on you and they're just full of hot air? You just finally get to, you know, they're, 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 the, the scripture here says that they're full of trickery. Okay, and by men's craftiness and in de- in, in deceitful, all of these different things that are of the flesh, they're scheming. That doesn't sound like things of the spirit to me. Okay, yet we have a lot of people that are listening to a lot of weird doctrines of men. And, and why? When they could sit down and open this book and ask the Holy Spirit to teach you. Now, granted, I, I don't want to empty out the Bible study by saying, hey, you don't need me as a teacher. But the reality is that you don't. The Bible says that you need you have no need that any man teach you, but the Holy Spirit will teach you all things. Not some things, okay, but all things. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him. And the you notice that the him there is capitalized. And Jesus said, What I do, you'll do, and more, for I go to the Father. Right? And Jesus said, I am, the fa- I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Right? Mm-hmm. And if He is in the Father and the Father is in Him and He is in you, you see, mm-hmm. you're supposed to grow into Him. The work of perfection that He is bringing into, into, uh, into being, the work of, of, of physical restoration of your mind, of your soul, will be completed in the day of Jesus Christ, which means when you meet Him in the air, when you're raptured, or when you die. But in the interim, you, you've got Jesus inside of you, and it's growing and growing and growing. You understand? God made us in his image. Okay, and what what did what did he mean by that? Well, he intended for all of us to operate as he did. Okay, God spoke in the book of Genesis. Okay, if you turn now to Genesis chapter 1. God speaks, and what God speaks is that's just it. He spoke it. In the book of in the book of Genesis in chapter 1, the uh, the word the words God said appears ten times in the thirty one verses of that book. Okay, um, in Genesis one twenty seven, and God created and God created man in His own image. In the image of God, He God created Him with a small H, which is man, male, and female. He, again, with a capital H, created them. Notice how many times God gives himself credit in this situation. He wants you to really understand here that you are in his image. Does God run from the devil? No. 
Does the devil go and tell God lies? Most certainly he does. As a matter of fact, the scripture says that the devil goes before God daily, hourly. And we have an advocate in Jesus Christ because the devil goes before God every day accusing the brethren. Does God go hide under the bed? Nope. Because he knows who he is, right? Amen. You see? God knows who he is, so he doesn't worry about what the devil says he is. Now, now we're gonna now we're gonna get a little crazy here. We're, we're gonna turn because, of course, no good no good teaching on fear is complete without talking about Job. <laughs> so turn with me, if you will, to Job, chapter one, verse five. And Henry, why don't you go ahead and uh, and read to us uh, one five here? Okay. And it came about when the days of feasting had completed their cycle that Job would send and consecrate them, rising up early in the morning and offering burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, Perhaps my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus Job did continually. So Job lived in fear, mm -hmm. basically. I mean, here, here Job is, what, what's he doing? He's waking up early in the morning. And he's making sacrifices just in case. Doesn't Proverbs say, teach a child when he's young and when he's old, he'll never stray from it? Mm -hmm. Okay? But Job said, and he said, and he said, you see, when God speaks, it immediately happens. We're made in his image. Now, later, Job said, oh, the thing I feared the most has come upon me. The thing I feared the most. Well, we're going to see how that, that happened. It says here that Job did this continuously. Continuously. He didn't stop. It's not like Job made the mistake. Let me explain something to you. There is a difference. I was hearing a preacher the other day that teaching something very interesting about the difference between sin and trespasses. Trespasses were what you used to live when you were in the world. It was legitimately, knowingly, even willfully and happily and gleefully going out and doing what you could do to break God's rules. Sin, on the other hand, well, the original word for sin has to do with ancient um, English sports back in the, in the Victorian times when they would play. I forget, if, I forget what, what the sport was, but when you missed the ball or when you missed the, whatever, whatever it was, the goal of the sport, they called it that you were sinning. You see, so it was a sports term. So it was something that you did, the, the, the implication here is that you do it automatically, you miss. I mean, you don't purposefully set out to miss the ball unless you're trying to build somebody's ego, you know. So here, Job was not sinning. Job was literally trespassing over and over. He was in a pattern of sin. It says here that he did this stuff continuously. Now here's where it gets good. Go down to verse 8. Okay? And, and D, I want you to read us 8 through 12. And the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? For there is no one like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, fearing God and turning away from evil. Then Satan answered the Lord, Does Job fear God for nothing? Hast thou not made a hedge about him and his house and all that he has on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hands, and his possessions have increased in the land. But put forth thy hand now, and touch all that he has. He will surely curse thee to thy face. Then the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that
that he has is in your power. Only do not put forth your hand on him. So Satan departed from the presence of the Lord. Okay. Then the Lord said to Satan, Behold, looky, looky, however you want to bring it into American English. Behold, check it out, dude. All that he has is in your power. He didn't say, here you go, I'm putting it in your power. Did he? Mm -mm. He said, all he has is in your power. It's already there. Mm -hmm. God did not break down that hedge. Job did. Correct. Mm -hmm. You understand? God is a righteous God. God had to, he had to bring it up. Now you, you sit there and you say, well, wait a minute. He brought up, he brought up Job, you know, to Satan. Yeah. When you were a non-believer, okay, did you come to the Lord with lots of money in your pocket, with a great feeling of inner peace, with a great job? I mean, you just, you just, you just added God to your list because that's just what you needed. No. Most people, when they come to the Lord, they come to the Lord because they're at the end of their rope. Or they've gotten a huge revelation, for example, which was in my case. I, I, did, I was so lost, I didn't know I was at the end of my rope. You understand? But here, here, this is the situation you've got. Satan believes, I mean, see, this goes to show that Satan doesn't pay attention all the time to those Christians that fight him back. The Bible says, resist the devil and he will flee. Right? So here, Job's hedge is down and God had to bring it to the enemy's attention. Because every time they'd have their weekly strategy meeting in hell and say, well, let's go bother that dude Job over there, the devil be like, uh-uh, no, 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 no. Let's not waste resources on that guy. God's got a hedge around him. And, and I mean, and that guy, every time you guys have gone over there, he's giving you a, sp a spiritual butt kicking. You, you, you don't want to do that. Let, let's go bother those Christians over there who don't know the word, who don't know God as intimately as Job does. Let, let's just go bother those people because they don't know. They're, they're, they're claiming bad things. They're doing all this stuff. You know, but don't even listen to that guy, Job. I, I, I believe that this is why God brought this to Satan's attention. Okay? What was the saddest part of the whole crucifixion for Jesus? When he said, why hast thou forsaken me? You understand? And why was that? Because God couldn't even look upon his own son with sin. So at that point, there was a void. There was a, there was a, 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 a God could not talk to Job at this point. You understand? He had to manipulate the enemy into bringing Job to such a point where Job would come running back to God. I mean, this is intense, y'all. When you start to really think about this, this is why, and the devil thought, of course, as the devil does, that he was going to scam God. Well, no, you extend your hand to him. Listen, and God's like, hey, everything he has is in your hand. But don't do this. Don't do that. I draw the line. You see, God is only going to give the enemy enough permission in your life to do things to where you're going to come back to him. Do you understand that the Bible says that all things work for the good, for the good of those who love the Lord? God takes responsibility for evil. I mean, how many of us don't remember the evil spirit that came upon Saul that was sent by who? King Saul? Who was sent by the Lord. And what did God do? He sent David, a man after God's own heart, to play the harp and the spirit would leave. You see? So God was using evil to try and soften the heart of Saul Okay, so Saul would turn back to worshiping God the right way and he would send David to teach Saul how to worship. 
Job brought this, this whole thing on himself by his, by his daily praying, well, what if my kids did this? And what if I did that? And what if my boss comes in and gets me fired? And what if, what if there's budget cuts next week and, and I can't afford it? And what if the price of gas goes so high that I can't drive to work anymore? And what if my husband cheats on me? And what if I can't pay my bills? And what if I can't eat? And what if I, for everything I've said here and for more, what's your most deepest, darkest fear? I assure you that in this book, there is somewhere in this book that God said, don't fear that. I got you covered. In the, in the world, there's a saying that says, uh, it's, uh, I won't go into the exact representation, but there's a, a thing in the world, a saying that says CYA. Mm-hmm. Anybody remembers what that means? Oh, yeah. Okay. Do you know that the Lord even says he brings up the rear guard? Mm-hmm. He protects your rear guard? <laughs> That's the spiritual CYA. God even takes care of that. God talks to you almost in your own language so you can dig it. You understand? But no, people still make these messed up confessions. And this is, and this is a place here that it shows us that Job... Did he, he brought down this, this hedge of protection from himself. Now, turn with me to Proverbs chapter 18. And you've heard me mention this before. In, go down to verse 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Those who love it or indulge in it will what? Eat its fruit. You understand? God didn't take down that hedge. Job did. Okay, because you're out there and you're making some mistakes, okay, and God looks at you in the state that he's seen you, aren't you covered in the blood of Jesus? Aren't you still perfect in the sight of God? But you're falling away. And God will use circumstances in your life to bring you back. And bring you back in, in, into, into the right relationship, into your place of being. I mean, there are people who, who God needs to get them to a certain place. And that doesn't mean that they've lost it all. If they died in the middle of God trying to teach them a lesson for whatever reason, which doesn't really clash with me anyway, because I think that God, if he's teaching you a lesson, he's not going to kill you in the middle of it. Uh, that doesn't make sense. But... If they, if they died in the middle of that, then they, it's not like their salvation was lost and they were going to go to hell because God was trying to teach them a lesson. If God is trying to teach you how to manage your finances, so God decided to put you in a position where all your finances went away and you had no income and all of a sudden you were crossing the street and you got hit by a truck, you're not going to hell. God still sees you through the eyes of, you know, through the, through, through the blood of his son Jesus. Changing gears here and going down to the book of Galatians. Okay, if we, if we look at the book of Galatians, Paul, when he wrote his, his letter to the Galatians, uh, we know that Paul wasn't very happy. Paul was not exhorting the Galatians. He was like, hey man, who has bewitched you people? Okay, what is, what is wrong with you? This is why he said in Galatians 6, 7, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man soweth, this will he also reap. That means that if you are walking around thinking perpetually, that doesn't mean, oh, you know, you're, you're sitting there and, 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 and in a moment of weakness or whatever, you sit there and you say, oh man, you know, things are just looking really cruddy right now and you know, whatever. You make a, a silly statement about your situation. That doesn't mean God's sitting up there going, ha, I gotcha. Now I'm going to turn the tables on you and go get them, Satan. No. What we're seeing here from Job is that Job wasn't, Job didn't just claim that Job was a righteous man in every step of the word here. Okay? But he, but he kept doing it. The Bible says that he did this repeatedly. This thing about saying, well, maybe my children did this. If he had such a good relationship with God, 
which I believe he did. God, God saw him as perfect. Okay, God saw him as all these different things. Don't you think, if, if I've got a relationship with, with one of you, and one of my kids is, you know, is, uh, is, is bugging you, do you think that our relationship is so flimsy that you can't bring it to my attention? No. You see? But no, Job took it upon himself to just assume that his kids may have just blasphemed. So he was going to step in their place and be their little savior. You understand? And God shares his glory with no one. God was even honest to the enemy and said, Hey, all that he has is yours, you big dummy. Every, you know, it's in your hand already. Okay, it's not yours, but it's in your hand already. Go, 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 but you can't do this. So God, God put those limitations. Let's go back to Job um, chapter 1 for a minute. And Henry, if you could read me verses 18 and 19. While he was still speaking, another also came and said, Your sons and your daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And behold, a great wind came from across the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house, and it fell on the young people, and they died. And I alone have escaped to tell you. Wow. Now, what did Job do at that point? Then he fell down and worshipped. You see? Now God's got him in a place where God can... Now he's lost his family. And the scripture goes, through, goes to the point to say, and through all this Job didn't sin, nor did he blame God. Now why would the scripture point this out Okay, if we could, we could assume here by looking at it and say, well, wait a minute, then he must have been doing something possibly out of line before. Now he's on a right path. Because through all of this, he fell down and worshipped. His, his kids got all killed. And now that, that allowed him to fall down and worship God. God didn't send that wind, did he? No. God doesn't send the wind. Who sends the wind? What is, what is uh, the, the Spirit's name? The Prince of the Power of the Air. Now let's, let's touch on that for a minute because I think that that bears some, some understanding even today. The Prince of the Power of the Air is not just air, the wind. It's the air. It also is the air waves. Mm-hmm. You understand? How do how are we getting how are we spreading corruption? How is the Western philosophy spreading the worldly capitalistic, you know, I'm number one, let's let you know he who dies with the most toys wins mindset going into the rest of the world. Internet. The internet, the airwaves, all of that stuff. Satellites, all of these different things. I, I, I will say something that's pretty radical here, and although I don't agree with running airplanes into buildings and things of that nature, I understand why folks in the Middle East are a little upset at the West. We have sprayed the United States' poison into these countries that have been very traditional. Now, understand that some of their traditions may clash with human rights, with, with some of our freedoms as Americans. But let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater. Okay, because not all Muslims are running planes into, are running airplanes into buildings. These are some very devout people that whether there are some zealots that are out there and doing some crazy stuff in the name of their religion, and, you know, that is that, that doesn't mean that you don't have some very good-hearted people out there. I know some very nice Buddhists. I could tell you that some Buddhist monks at times, back in Vietnam, some of the Buddhist monks did some horrible things. Okay, so just because somebody's of a certain religion, don't slap a label on them and say, oh, they're that kind of person, they're that way, that their religion teaches them to be that way, so they're just evil. 
by nature. As a matter of fact, interestingly enough, I know people who practice witchcraft who are probably nicer than most Christians that I know. They worship the trees and the birds and the, you know, listen, we, I pray for them, you know, but they're nice people. Let people know. Mikey knows people who, you know, <laughs> who are witches and stuff. And, and, and I pray for them. And, and I share my faith with them. And they share their faith with me. And I do my very best to be salt and light to them. But this air thing, the prince of the power of the air, is really important because this is one of the biggest things. Everything today is about wireless. Let's get it on the net. Let's get Now, do you realize that Jesus gave you power? Not only over the enemy, but over all of his dominion, such as the prince of the power of the air. Turn with me over to Matthew chapter 8. And Leo, why don't you read us verses 24 through 20 something, 7. And behold, there arose a great storm in the sea, so that the boat was covered with the waves. But he himself was asleep. And they came to him and awoke him, saying, Save us, Lord, we are perishing. And he said to them, Why are you timid, you men of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and it became perfectly calm. And the men marveled, saying, what kind of man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him? If they hadn't woken him up, Jesus would have slept right through it. Mm -hmm. How many times does the enemy wake you up in the middle of the night with negative thoughts? Or if you can't even get to sleep at night, with negative thoughts of what's going to happen and what could happen. And oh man, if this happens. And oh man, the enemy's great at telling you what might happen. You know what's interesting? The word might, when it comes to God's promises, the only time you hear the word might in the Bible is when it refers to God's might, his strength. Mm -hmm. But you never hear the word might as in, if you do this and if you do that, God might do this for you. You understand? The enemy, the enemy wants to put doubt in your head. See, the reason that the wind came up, it was a satanic force, right? And it was just, Satan knew that Jesus was sleeping in the boat, so he wanted to bug him a little bit. So he brings up this wind. Jesus goes, stop that, man. He was trying to stop the Lord from getting to the other side, to get to his goal, to where he was trying to go. And he's been trying ever since to keep you and I as Christians, to go to get to our goal. You understand? Jesus said, I, what I do, you'll do and more, for I go to the Father. So any, any surprises that the devil had for Jesus here on earth, guess what? You're it, buddy. The Bible says that the battle is the Lord's, but he's going to use you and I as his, as his battle axe. Jesus walked with these guys for you know, for three years, man, and for 40 days after he arose again. I'm, I'm sure that Jesus was freaking out, like, what is wrong with you people, man? Haven't you seen me? I mean, this is, this is after, this is just after the, uh, the, the feeding of, uh, this is one of, after one of the feeding times mm -hmm. that he had fed, like, thousands of people with a couple of loaves of bread and stuff. And you, you people are bugging me about a little wind? What's wrong with you people? He's showing us what, what he did, we can do as well. There's no, there's no, there's no favorites. God doesn't play favorites. Do, do you realize that everybody, God doesn't have grandchildren. You've heard me say that before. God only has sons and daughters. So if you have been brought in as fellow heirs, then all of the promises that God has for you are yours. Back to the analogy of the, of the fishing, you need to be able to know how to catch your blessing. You need to be able to make it, put yourself in a position where you're going to open yourself up to that. And that means that you may have to change your confession. You may have to stop listening to what people are saying. Do you realize that the devil will set you up months and months and months in advance? 
There's a, an old joke about how do you boil a frog? And we've talked about that before. How do you boil a frog? Well, very slowly. You don't want him to jump out of the pot. So you put him in the pot and then you start warming up the water and he gets all comfy and he lies down in the bottom of the pot and before he knows it, he's fallen asleep and before he knows it, the water's up and boiling and he's dead. That's exactly what the enemy wants to do to you. Understand, folks, that we as carnal Christians sometimes have a big problem. And that is that the devil whispers something to us. Okay? And we think that we're strong enough to go and listen to just a little bit and parse it out and say, well, I'll listen to this, but I won't listen to that. And let me tell you something, folks. The devil is not stronger than you, but he is much craftier than you. Mm -hmm. Okay, he's been doing this a whole lot longer than you. Okay, and all he needs to do is to set up the situation and understand that whenever you're walking in doubt, much like Job, okay, in chapter one up here, you are not able to communicate with God. God still sees you as righteous. God still sees you as one of his, but he's not looking at you right now. He can't look upon you right now because you are in grievous error. You're listening to doctrines of men. You're being thrown back and forth by the wind of this doctrine and the belief of that doctrine. And you shouldn't have done this. And maybe you didn't do that. And you know darn well that God called you to do it. Let me tell you. I'm sitting here in a room with four, five people. Four, five, six when the group is big. God called me to do this months ago. Some of you guys, very well-meaning, have come and said, are you sure you want to keep... I mean, we, we, we've got this whole big area here. We've got... I know what God told me to do. And of course, you guys mean very well. And you mean, and you say, hey, you know, we, we could save some money maybe and go, you know, do it at somebody's house or something. No, God called me to do a community study because God's got a vision that for this area that he doesn't want to have at somebody's house. What's the vision God's giving you? What's the, what's the idea that God's giving you that the devil told you you can't do? What's the mission that God's given you that the devil say you can't have? Or the goal that, that, that God's told you that he's going to give you that the devil's telling you you're not good enough? Or that you're going to be too sick to do that? Or that you're going to die before you ever accomplish that? You can't let the devil into your house because he'll want to charge you rent. You understand? You just can't do it. You can't have... Oh, who is it? Yeah, it's Satan. Go away, Satan. Yeah, but I got something to tell you. I don't want to hear it. Come on, it's juicy. Well, I'm not going to let you in, but I'm going to open up the door just a little bit and let you whisper. How many of you guys are letting Satan whisper in your ear? <laughs> What did he say? I said one that I can think of. <laughs> How many of you are allowing Satan to whisper in your ear through other people? And I can prove it happens. When Jesus was telling the disciples what had to happen to him, that he needed to be crucified, and Peter pulled him aside and said, Hey, dude, what are you, nuts? We're never going to let that happen to you, man. We love you, man. I mean, you're our best friend. You're our teacher. We love you. But do you think that we're going to let that happen? What did, what did Jesus say to him? Get behind me, Satan. How many people do you think you need to look in the face and say, get behind me, Satan? How many people, how many situations, how many letters are you going to have to look at that you say, you know what, Satan, this is a lie. This smells like smoke and I'm sending it right back to the pits of hell where it came from. Amen. You understand? Because this is not what God has planned for you. Okay, you need to rebuke the wind. Rebuke the wind. Rebuke the devourer. Let the Lord come against you. It's not me. Hey, Satan, I bind you in my name. No. I bind you in the name of Jesus. You understand? And when people say something to you, you know, because some people will mean very well when they come and they whisper things in your ear or whatever, and they don't realize. See, Satan, Satan will use 5, 10, 20 people, okay, 
to bring about one plan. When you um, when you're in the army, those of you that have those of you that are here that have been in the service know that your your division head or or, or I, I don't not your general, but because very few guys in the field what commanding officer yeah your commanding officer he he's he looks at the landscape and he says okay guys now you five guys you're going to come over here and then the other guy over there he's going to be over there and when they do this now you 10 guys over there you be hiding in the woods over there and you guys come out and then you guys you understand and he gives you all a plan and when when the people you're fighting against come out, they don't know where everybody is, but the commanding officer has already set up the stage. Do you realize that Satan does that over and over in our lives with people? So he'll have one person come and he'll just tell that person, hey, tell them, uh, hey, you're looking a little pale today. And just go about, oh, and how you doing? And how's the family? And this and that and the other. That, 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 that was Satan's first little nudge. Mm -hmm. Now later on that day, he'll send somebody else come along and say, "You feeling all right?" <laughs> By the way, you got those papers for me, and blah 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 blah. Now you're 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 walking down, going, "Oh man, I used to be sick with this, or I used to be sick with that." But somebody asked me this morning if I was sick, and now somebody asked me if I was feeling all right. <laughs> oh man, and now. I'm riding home in my car and I get a call. Hey, Mikey, you got to come in for your physical. Oh, man, is that you, God? <laughs> You're telling the doctor to call me for a physical, aren't you? Because I'm feeling bad. Because people are seeing me pale. And people are saying I'm not looking right. Or maybe it's finances. You know, you get home and you've got a letter that you didn't expect for a, a bill that wasn't even yours. So you call them up and and they said, this isn't my bill, and I never created this bill. I never and they, well, you've got to pay it, sir. Your name's right here in the computer. Instead of saying, well, I bind that computer in Jesus' name, and that's not my stuff. And Lord, I know that you're going to work a way out of it. Like a sucker, you pay the bill. Or you accept whatever Satan decides to dish you out because you don't understand who you are in Christ. People say, oh, you know, you got cancer. I, I, I saw a woman... Um, at a conference I was at a couple weeks ago. And I had talked to her before. And at this moment in time, she has literally, I'm not kidding, three different types of cancer. She is going through full chemo. And she, you, you'd have never known it from seeing this woman. She was bouncing off the walls. She was so excited. And she's about 70. Okay, because this woman says, Mikey... I'm not going to let this get me down. This isn't my final curtain call right now. I'm not going down with this. I'm not going to take this. I'm not going to accept what this body of mine is trying to put on me. I know that I'm more than this. I know that there's a bigger plan for me than this. And even though I don't know if she's a believer or not, but she just, she just sounds, man, I, I, I just, I was rejoicing to say, Lord, why don't we have some Christians that look at situations like that? Turn with me to James, the book of James for a second. Chapter 1. But let him ask in faith, now this is the key here, in faith without any doubt. No doubt. No room for doubt. Right? Mm -hmm. For the one who doubts is like surf of the sea driven and tossed by the wind mm -hmm. you see how this this wind keeps coming up Paul spoke of the wind and and it was talking about little babies we can't be babies in Christ we got to stop being driven around by the wind we got to stop letting the prince of the power of the air Okay, rule our lives and tell us what we are going to get and what we're not going to get. For let not that man expect that he will receive anything from the Lord. Being a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. So, how many people here are dealing with double-mindedness? Well, I know the Bible says this, but I don't, I don't know if I can believe that. Why not? 
Uh, weren't you? Weren't, did Christ die for you or not? I mean, if if let's put it this way: if if you're going to doubt any of the promises you see in the Scripture, then you need to take it all the. Way, I mean, you got to you got to you got to walk it out. You got to take it all the way back to your salvation. Do you doubt your salvation? Good point. You understand? God can't tell the truth in some things and lie in others. Mm-hmm. And 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 I can I can prove it. Go to Numbers 23.19. God is not a man that he should lie. You see that? God is not a man that he should lie. God always tells the truth. Even when it means that he has to tell Satan that everything that Job has is in his power right now. You don't think that that hurt God to tell Satan after knowing how he feels? I mean, he said how he felt about Job. You know, that must have broken God's heart. But he needed to bring Job to a point of understanding. That's why all good things work for the good of those who love the Lord. Notice that after Job went through everything, God didn't just restore his stuff to him normally like he had before. He restored everything more. Mm-hmm. And and it could be argued that God had that for him to begin with, had not Job dealt with the stinking thinking. Mm-hmm. If Job had kept with the game plan, if Job had taken God at his word and not been praying for his kids that they that they might have. See, one thing is to pray for your kids, folks. I'm not saying that people shouldn't pray for their kids. I pray for my kids all the time. Okay, I'm not telling you to not pray for your kids. But I'm not. I'm. I'm telling you to don't assume that your kids are 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 sinning in some area or not. If you know they're sinning in an area, then by all means, pray it down, stand in the gap, do spiritual warfare, intercede, do what you need to do, and use the use the spiritual tools that Jesus left us and that the Holy Spirit empowers us to use. Okay, but don't assume that. Oh, I'm going to pray this prayer just in case my, my daughter's got a boyfriend. She doesn't. She's too young to have a boyfriend. But my daughter has a boyfriend and they've been together six months. And most of the time, I read a book today that says that most teenagers right now, they have sex after three or four dates and after two months. My daughter's been with the same boy for six months. She must be having sex. Lord, protect her if she's having sex. <laughs> you see? No! Wait a minute! I taught my daughter that abstinence is the way that it should be. And Lord, I believe in your word. And your word says that if I teach my daughter when she's young, when she's old, she'll never stray from it. I stand on your word. I believe that I've taught my daughter right. I've raised her in the way of the Lord. And Father, I'm going to stand on your word that you are taking care of her because you are watching over my household. I'm simply doing what God told me to do. If God tells me, pray this, the Holy Spirit tells me, pray this, I will pray this. If the Holy Spirit says, pray that, I will pray that. If not, you ever looked at somebody who says, well, I don't know what to pray. Pray for your family, but I don't know what for. You show me a person who doesn't know what to pray for their family, I'll show you a person who's not in communication with the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. Okay, when you're in touch with the Holy Spirit, folks, that Holy Spirit's going to tell you what to pray for. And let me tell you, when you start listening to the Holy Spirit, you may not be ready for some of the things that the Holy Spirit tells you to pray for because you know what? That person that you dislike so much and that may just hate you, guess what? The Holy Spirit may tell you to pray for them. You understand? That destroyed relationship, that destroyed friendship, that destroyed relationship with your parents, with your children, with your, with your spouse, with your whoever, that the Lord might have you pray for them. And you may not want to. And it's only the submitted person to the Holy Spirit, the person that says, yes, Lord, here I am, that will do that. Let's, let's put that in some practical application. Back when the Israelites left Egypt, when Moses was leading them out of Egypt and into the promised land. You remember, Moses didn't make it into the promised land. You know why? He was disobedient. He was double-minded. He was disobedient and double-minded. He was listening to the people 
too much and not listening enough to God. Okay, and he allowed the people and their attitudes to cause him to sin and to disobey God and to break a rule that God gave him. Why? Because when he was, he was uh, striking the rock, he shouldn't have struck it. And we've talked in another lesson about what the striking of that rock meant the first time. And how he basically ruined an example that God had for the nation of Israel by being disobedient. So therefore, he did not go into the promised land. Okay? However, Joshua, on the other hand, did obey God. Right? Turn with me, go back to the Old Testament here, and turn to Joshua chapter 21. Go down to verse 45. It says, only a few of God's promises. Only a couple. Only the ones Joshua wanted to believe. Um, Only the ones that people told him he was capable of doing. You sure? It says what? Not one. Not one. Not one of the Horrible promises? Is there such a thing from God? Good promises. Which the Lord had made to the house of Israel failed. All came to pass. Notice the colon. I love the colon. All came to pass. The the reason I like the colon, of course, is because you pause and you wait. And that means some time passed. Mm -hmm. And they ultimately came to pass. Which means that all the promises that God has for you as long as you're obedient. Understand that the only reason that all the promises that God made to Israel happened were because they were under leadership that led them in the direction that God wanted them to go. Mm -hmm. And they were obedient and they followed the voice of the Lord. Are you being obedient and following the voice of the Lord? Are you getting prompted? Are you staying in this word? When you hear the foolishness that some people try and plant in your spirit, does the word of the Lord jump up and say, well, no, the word of the Lord says, or does doubt jump up and say, well, maybe they're right. Or I never thought about it that way, which means maybe they're right. (laughs) If you were to look at your spirit man and you were to look at your flesh man, who needs a diet? Who needs a little meat off them bones? Because I'll tell you, if you're listening to the enemy and you're falling prey to that doctrine and you're being tossed to and fro by this fear and that fear and the other fear, you have a skeleton for a spirit man. And trust me, I can tell you from experience that that kind of thing, God will do something drastic in your life to bring you running back to Him, worshiping, never blaming, because we know that all things work for the good of those who love the Lord. But God is going to get done in your life what He's going to get done in your life. And you need to listen. Now you can do it one way or you can do it another. But God loves you, man. And everything that he does, he does because he loves you. But God, as the loving God that he is, has some very interesting ways of displaying that love. He loved Job so much. I mean, that he allowed the enemy to kill his whole family. Take everything he had. That was the love that God had for Job. Okay, that was the love that he had for Job that said, Hey man, you're going to have to lose it all so you can look back at me and I can give it back to you five times over. But I'm sure if you would have talked to Job after he got it five times over, Job would have looked back and said, You know, I know I got five times more than I had before. If I would have known better, I wouldn't have gone through that lesson. Mm -hmm. I would have stuck to what I believed. I would have stuck to what the scriptures taught me. 
I would have stuck to what I know in my spirit. See, we have the benefit that Job didn't have. We have the Holy Spirit inside of us Mm -hmm. that witnesses to us. We have the scripture that we read today that we can pick it up. We have, I mean, America is gluttonous on so much Christian material that we have. We're fat and happy on so many Bibles. How many, I mean, do you know that that most Christians have three, four, five Bibles? Mm -hmm. And Bibles aren't enough. I mean, we've got books, and we've got books about the Bible, and we've got tapes about the Bible, and we've got tracks about the Bible, and TV shows about the Bible. I mean, we've got more Bible than we know what to do with. You'd think that we wouldn't have the problems. Yet I take you back. And this country, 285 different fears and 300 and some odd different types of anxiety. And now, when you listen to Christian talk radio, what do you hear? You hear about Christians that are having financial problems. You hear about Christians that are having marital issues. The divorce rate in the Christian world is as high, if not higher, because of course the Lord told them to do it, as in the, in the, as in the world. When are we going to start taking God at His word, y'all? He's got so many promises to give to us. God wants you to prepare a net, a spiritual net, to be able to catch all the promises that He's already got out there for you. You understand? One last scripture, and then we're going to call it a night. Turn to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10 Verse 23, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. Hold fast to your confession. Don't let anybody ever come and take it away. If God is giving you something, don't allow somebody from the other side of the tracks to come and help you look that gift horse in the mouth from a spiritual perspective. You understand? What He promised, He's faithful to give you. God's not an Indian giver. I've never seen God take back any of His promises. Do you ever see anywhere in this scripture where God told somebody to do something and it turned out wrong for them? If you're a believer and you're walking with the Lord and you're in fellowship with the Holy Spirit you should have access to every promise that God has for you every single one of them you should have no problem in getting any of the promises that God has for you if you don't if you're not in fellowship with the Holy Spirit hey listen he's waiting for you all you need to do is just say, you know, Lord, after, after this, this teaching, I, I realize that I, I've, been, I've been falling into that stinking thinking again. I've been falling prey to, you know, the, the he said and the she said that goes on in the world and the, and the looking at the news and, and a, taking that upon myself and believing the hype. And, and I mean, in this country right now, we, we've, we've got a president that has spent billions of dollars based on fear. And has thrown this country into economic turmoil because of fear. Don't think that the war in Iraq is about anything else, folks. It's not about oil. Okay? It's about fear. And the more fear that can be instilled into us as Americans, guess what? The less liberty you're going to have. Think about it. Think about 10 years ago, what you could do 10 years ago, what you can't do today. Don't be fooled. The enemy intends to rob you of every liberty that God's ever given you. This country was built on Christian principles. And this country has made a grievous mistake by falling prey to the plan of the enemy. But you know what? He may be winning that battle, but he certainly didn't win the war. Mm -hmm. Because my God told me the story. And I read the book. Mm Mm-hmm. And I know that he who stands on the word of the Lord is going to always be the victor. You're always going to be the head and not the tail. You're never going to lose. 
Just take God at His word. God is not a man that He should lie. Amen. Well, let's pray. Father, we give You thanks and praise for tonight and for our, our Bible study. Lord, let Your, uh, your truth that came out tonight, Lord, let it, let it sink into our hearts, Lord. And if there was anything there, Lord, that was in, in error, Lord, bring it, bring, it to, uh, bring it to our knowledge. Lord, teach us and help us spread this message of hope and promise that people know that there is an alternative to the turbulent times we live in and that all we need to do is look in your word Father, help us be salt and light wherever we go. Let, her, let us be doers of the word and not hearers only. Lord, anoint your people, Lord, with eyes to see, ears to hear, hearts to receive as we go forward this week. Let us not fall prey to those that the enemy sends in our way to break us down, to tear us apart, and to discourage us to keep us away from the glory and the promise that it is to know you. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.